This is a test. The Nerd World Order is conducting a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. If this had been an actual emergency, the signal you just heard would have been followed by the phrase... Ladies, gentlemen, and knights of the Nerd World Order, this is the Nerd World Order broadcast. I am the man that you call Dukes, and to my right I have... Your boy Joe, a.k.a. Lucas Bishop, and to my left I have Alfonso. Good morning, Nerd World Order, and over to my right I have Matthew. Hey, what's up, guys? Happy to be here today and talk about something other than video games with you all. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us for this episode of the Nerd World Order broadcast. This Nerd World Order broadcast will be dedicated to the show that we all know and love, and that's Stranger Things. So Stranger Things is a show on Netflix that's been very popular. It speaks to nostalgia, and it speaks to the science fiction that we all love, the fantasy that we all love, and it takes us back to the 80s and 90s that we all love. I personally was introduced to the show by Matt uh, when I work with Matt. A few years back, he was telling me, dude, you got to see this show. It's called Stranger Things. You're going to love it. And I was hesitant, didn't think it would be that good. I'm not a huge fan of Netflix series. I gave it a chance, and I loved it. Guys, tell us about how you came to know the Stranger Things. Huge fan of all the next Netflix shows, and there was advertisement for it left and right. And uh, from the moment I saw it, I knew this is a show for me. Yeah, as you said, Alan, uh, I learned about it at work, actually, also, from somebody else, and they told me, you know, they knew I liked the Goonies and stuff, they were like, oh, it's like the Goonies, but different, it's really good, so, after I watched, like, the first couple episodes, I had to tell you about it, because I, knew, I knew, knew you would be into it right away. Like Alan Duke's Netflix series, I kind of just like it, because it takes a long-ass time for it to get to the point, and I kind of hate that, because I know where it's going, and it takes forever to get there. So, last week at Comic-Con... When Alan Dukes and Alfonso the X-Man and Chance was talking about Stranger Things, I was a big hater. I was like, that show's not that good. I watched the first episode. I wasn't intrigued. I wasn't interested. And they kept talking about it so damn much, your boy had to go and check it out. So I've been to watch the, the first three seasons, and I must say I agree with the three gentlemen right next to me that uh, this is a really good show. Season three just recently aired, and we've all had a chance to watch it. But before you get to season three, the excitement that we all had for season three is obviously created by season one and two. So, uh, gentlemen, why don't we just go through? I'll let whoever wants to jump in and just tell me, what did you guys like about... uh, We'll start with season one. What did you like about season one uh, that really caught your interest in Stranger Things? Uh, The one thing I liked about... uh... Stranger Things right off the bat is like like uh, Matt said earlier, you know, it was reminiscent of the Goonies. To me, it just like it took all those A's movies that I grew up on with the you know the kids being the underdogs, Goonies, Explorers, uh, The Gate, uh, it was countless countless movies, Critters, you know, Gremlins, everything like that. It was all rolled into one. These shows, these shows, you know, they always they always looked after the underdog, you know, working their way up, and you know, kids can be more important than just being a kid. They can do things and and handle things and. And, oh, man, it was always such a great feeling. Uh, the movies were so enjoyable. Adults loved them. Kids loved them. It, it's really good to see the nostalgia on film again because, like, it all takes place in the 80s. And, you know, they had my toys. They had, oh, man, every, everything in their room. You know, it's like, I had that. I had that. I wanted that. I really, really wanted that. But I didn't have that. 
that's the thing about Stranger Things that really got me going. What I like about it, one, is it has eight episodes, and I love that because it doesn't take that long to get to the point. That's a huge plus for me because in the rest of the, you know, like the Marvel Netflix series, it has like, I think, 14 or something like that, and there's just too many fillers, and I don't like that because I lose my patience, and I want it to get to the point, and I know where it's going to go, and when it gets there, it takes forever to get there. So it gets there fast, right? That's one of them. Second, I like how they make sure, like, little kids, because like uh, Alfonso said, Goonies, dude, I love Goonies, so reminiscent of that, and the 80s, because I remember a lot of the songs, and I remember a lot of the toys, like you said, but what's dope about it is Elle has powers, right? But it isn't the powers that she abuses because there's like a time limit. So when she uses it, she can't use it back to back like, say, an X-Men movie or, you know, uh, a DC movie. And I like that because there's consequences for using the power. She can't just whip it out with the mixture of aliens. I mean, that that's pretty cool. So it's like the way they they use both of those things together and the, the character development between the characters, man, like you feel for each character. It isn't like I have one favorite or two favorite after watching season one you fall in love with all the characters as opposed just to certain characters. Because in a lot of TV shows, you're like, oh, I like this character, I like that character. With this series, I fall in love with all of them. I think we'd all probably gloss over it if we didn't think deeply about it. But the first thing that got my attention was the music. That intro is absolutely spectacular if you knew about anything in the 80s. you know. Um, not only that, the soundtracks throughout all the series is fantastic. No matter which season you're in, they have great music from those time periods that they're representing. So the music to me got me interested right away the way that the whole show is essentially based around dungeons and dragons is really unique like these guys you could tell they grew up during that period of time they remember everything and they're like how can we incorporate all of this into our own story and you know a lot of time and attention and care went into to crafting these stories around dungeons and dragons around the 80s and i'm sure what's going to lead to the 90s in the future at some point that whole aesthetic alone was enough to bring me into the series and the story and the writing being fantastic. And the, the actors are amazing. The kids doing great, great stuff. It's a uh, definitely a special show. I agree with you, gentlemen, to a degree, my perspective, first of all, I did not like Goonies. I didn't even watch Goonies until about 2005, maybe somewhere around there. I know. Wasn't a huge Goonies fan. So when initially Matt told me like, oh, this is like Goonies, I was like, pass. I don't care about no Goonies. However, Matt hyped it up so much, I decided to give the show a chance. Even though we all look back at the 80s very nostalgically, when I look back at the 80s, I'll be honest. It's one of the things that Alfonso mentioned. Like, when you see that show and you're like, oh, I wanted that toy. But I couldn't get it. And there were kids who got them toys, but it wasn't me because my mom was like, you're getting one G.I. Joe maybe every month where there was some kids who had Transformers, G.I. Joes. You know, they they had like the G.I. Joe uh, Helicarrier. They had the G.I. Joe uh, Fortress. They had Optimus Prime. They had Megatron. Dude, they had both Megatron and Optimus Prime, so they could fight him at the same time. The other kids, one had to bring his Optimus Prime, the other had to bring his Megatron, and that was the only way to have a real battle, right? 
I'm not a huge fan of the 80s, right? Because for me, the 80s weren't necessarily the bomb where I was like, oh, man, remember them 80s where I was balling out, where I was having a good time? Nah, the 80s for me was like, look, son, you're getting toys for Christmas. You're getting toys for your birthday. And other than that, if you want toys, you better go mow some lawns. But this show does something very interesting. It looks at the 80s through the lens of the underdog. Not the coolest kids on the planet. And that's me. In the 80s, I'll even say in the 90s. Joe knew me back in the 90s. He's like, yeah, dude, she wasn't cool in the 90s. You know, the underdogs have become the cool guys. Right now, we can look back at that time and be like, oh, wow, you know, everything, all the nerdy stuff that was going on back in the day, that was cool. That's the lens that this show looks through, not from the most popular guy in school, not from the prettiest girl in school, not from the popular kids, through the lens of the kids, much like myself, who were down in their basement playing D&D, who were doing the things that everybody said were not cool. So that's why I love this show, because it gave me, and I think a lot of other people, because everyone wants to pretend that they were cool in the 80s, damn well knowing you weren't, it gives you a perspective of what it was really like growing up in the 80s, being a nerd, having fun. So, like, realistically, I recognize myself, I recognize my nerd squad, I recognize the things that I like to do, and it made me feel good in retrospect about the 80s and everything that we went through. Also, another thing I liked is 80s shows and movies were cheesy. This show took the best aspects of all the 80s tropes, lightly just gave you memories of them without trying to be an 80s show that was completely like an 80s show because it would be garbage. This show gave you just enough of the 80s in that first season. So you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. But it gives it a current day feel where the characters are well-developed, where the story's well-developed, where it keeps you on the edge of your seat. To, you, to Joe's point, if L, if that show had been made in the 80s, L would have been coming through like a mixture of Superman, Wonder Woman, and Professor X, just bulldozing fools through the whole show. The first episode, she would have came out, she would have just destroyed some folks, she would have destroyed everything. The whole show would have been two episodes long because L would have been Superman, Wonder Woman, Professor X all rolled in one. But they didn't do that because there's more character progression, and that's what kept me interested. So, dude, I love this show because it was me, my perspective of the 80s, mixed in with what I wanted to see out of 80s movies. What do you think about season two? All right, so my thoughts on season two, I mean, I really enjoyed season two just as much as season one. The natural progression um, worked. They introduced new characters. You had, uh, you had Billy, <laughs> he's so awesome, and, uh, and uh, his little sister, Sam. And Sam in the arcade is just on fire. She's like Jubilee. <laughs> yeah, so the boys had, had new... Uh, new things to work with there, new people to work with, new situations. I mean, it, it's, you still had all the things going on in the Upside Down, um, but you could tell the, uh, the mind flare is getting stronger and taking over Will. So what do I think about season two? What do I think about Alan not liking Goonies? Hmm, <laughs> such blasphemy. Dude, in the 80s, bro. Or in, the, in the early 90s, you know, I'm Asian, so my mom made me get a job. So I started scorekeeping at the bowling alley. So that's how I was able to buy some of my 80s stuff. So I enjoyed the 80s very much so. With the music and the stuff that I looked at, I saw, I did buy. 
So, on to season two. Your mom's yes. made you get a job. <laughs> but I got what I wanted. Even though I paid half. So, what I like about season two, what I like about it is, like, after season one, you're like, where does it go from here? And then you see the transition to where it goes. I'll tell you one of my favorite characters that I started to like, dude, and even more in season three, but we won't get there yet, is Steve. The dude started out as a douchebag. I couldn't stand this kid because, you know, like, growing up, I remember those kids. And for him to transition from that guy to, like, a, kind of like a glorified babysitter and has friends with kids, I mean, that's awesome because, as uh, Alan knows, I, 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 I hang out with my sons a lot when I'm on vacation and I hang out with their friends. So I can kind of get the adult being around little kids, making them laugh, and not, not in a weird way. Uh, being with the kids, though, and, and being like a mentor to them, like how Steve is to Dustin, I love that aspect. I love that Will was a little bit more in the story. I love Winona Ryder, man. I used to have a crush on her, man. I, I love the, I love to see her in Stranger Things. That's awesome. And I, I really started to fall in love with Hopper, dude. Even though he's a sporadic and he's everywhere, dude. I mean, dude, he, he's the chief, man. The bright points for me is Murray. I love Murray, dude. Murray is so dope, dude. The way he's just, he hits everything on the nose. Like, he'll, he'll just be saying, oh. Why don't you get together? I know you want to get together. I can tell the chemistry is there. Just do it. I love that. And if Alan Dukes and Alfonso knows me, I'm that guy. I'm not always the guy that's like, hey, I told you so, this and this and that. And so for me, I can relate to that guy. And he's, he's always been good in shows. But for me, I just like the way the characters are going. The, what I like about it is each character, kind of like you guys were saying earlier with the Dungeons and Dragons, each certain group is on their own quest. And each of them come together at the very the height of the of the main quest for them to get together and and, and everything falls together. Uh, I like season two, but I have to say season one is a lot better. I think the overarching thing that Joe was 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 saying about individual characters and then teams and stuff. Season two was my least favorite season of the three. However, it was necessary. They built so many relationships in that season. That was like the, the main thing. All these relationships got built out. People started splintering off into different groups. Um, you know, they, they introduced a lot of new characters in this season compared to the first one. Um, the arcade was one of my favorite settings in the show, which, you know, they, they really made it feel like an old school arcade where it's you know, a bunch of kids there. People are smoking and stuff. Um, that's where they introduced Max, who was the, the boys were, were impressed by Max's video game skills way more then they were interested in Max because it shows you, you know, their age later on, it came around, you know, they're getting more interested in girls and stuff. But at that time they were more interested that she was a badass at this video game. than you know, they even knew anything else about her at that point. I think it was a, a good season, not a great season, not as good as season one or three. And I thought season two started off really well. We were introduced to Elle's new family or old family, depending on how you look at it, how her sister had these powers of mind manipulation, creating illusions, things of that nature. And that was really exciting. But then from there, it just felt like it was a letdown. And it took a long time to get me personally interested again. Will being the focal point of the plot line, I didn't like. I don't care for Will. Will is just the sidekick with very little character development. If something happened to Will, I really didn't care. 
if Will was the primary plot point or or focal point in the show, even though he wasn't the main character, but he was kind of like the primary plot device, I just didn't care. Maybe Will was going to die. Maybe he was going to turn into a Gorgon or something of that nature. I really didn't care. Now, there were a lot of good action points. You know, Hopper was underground. He was doing his thing. The action was really good. But Matt said, least favorite season, uh, not, I agree. I could take it or leave it. Now, there were a lot of things that I did like about season two. Specifically, as you guys mentioned, Max. Max was just freaking awesome. She created a whole new level of the show as far as she's she's almost like a foil for the teenage male who is just coming into their own because she creates this perspective of looking at them from the outside and realizing how goofy they are. And she's almost us looking at them, but she's interacting with them directly where when they do goofy stuff, she calls them out, you know, whereas we are looking at it and we're thinking the same thing. So she works as a phenomenal foil. Now her brother, just a phenomenal actor like this dude just nails it. You want to hate him, but sometimes you have to like him sometimes, but for the most part, you just hate that dude. And you want him to go the way of Will and die, too. I have to say the introduction of Elle's sister and their tribe, to me, they felt a lot more like 80s characters. You have your healer. You have your tank. It's like all the members of her family or her sister's group were just like, oh, this is everything that we have to have in a raiding party in order to win the raid. And it's just like somebody just threw that together. And so I understand that the creators of the show are definitely nerds and they understood that. And that's probably why they did that. But it just felt way too cookie cutter for me to really enjoy that. Yeah, was it necessary? Did it set up a lot of great things? Did it make Steve more likable? Uh, did it make the relationship between him and Dustin just seem awesome? Was it the perfect setup for season three? Yes. Almost like or season two. But then like season two was almost like a 1.5 or like a 2.5 because it was the perfect bridge between one and three and it had to happen, but it was not an enjoyable experience for me. You know, I, I love the way they started out with, with Halloween. I mean, <laughs> they were all Ghostbusters. That was that was sick, and and I love the the argument of who was going to be, uh, <laughs> who wanted to be who. The other thing that I really liked is uh, how Dustin thought he can get um, that little demigorgon. Uh, what was his name, Joe? D'Artagnan. Dart for short. Dart for short. Uh, I like the way he thought he could get Dart and 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 grow him and and make him into something that, you know, could be you know a force on their side, but then, you know, you realize it's, it's just like a wild animal, can't be tamed, and it's not a pet. It's not a pet, and you know, a lot of people need to learn that lesson. I can't. Max, Max, was, Max was so much fun. Uh, she kept those boys on their toes. Um, Eleven was, you know, man, her, her power, like, towards the end, it's like, she's just off the hook, you know? It's like a big-time X-Men fan. I mean, that's, that's Jean Grey right there, in my opinion. Um, you know, just, just coming to terms with her powers and how powerful she can be and everything that she can do. Um, that's that's one of the things I love about the show. It just like I said, it takes me kind of the same space that X Men does. You know, you got all the outsiders, you've got all the all the powers, you've got all the you know the intellect, and you know um, what is it? Uh, yeah, season two all around was. I mean, really good. You know, I, I did prefer the first season better. Um, 
it, it's it's I, I like both seasons. It's just that season one was was innovative to me. You know, it was uh, it was it was first and fresh and new. And uh, I mean, yeah, it's the same old story from you know, from the '80s. But you know, they they made it in such a way that it was just like all around new. And, uh, and you know, that's all I gotta say about season two. Eight is when they showed her in the beginning. I thought it took too long for them to show her again. I know that's in transition of L and where she had to go. But for me, at the beginning, when I saw eight, I was like, damn, who the hell is this one? And it just took, for, even though there's only nine episodes, it's just for me, it just, it was getting to the climax of them fighting. I'm like, I really don't care about eight and her posse right now. I don't. I'm like, they, you've, you, you had me intrigued in the first episode. And then I think you waited till I don't know if it was six or something like that. For me, in a, with a nine-episode plan, that's too late to bring her in. I don't care about her. And what Alan said, that's my will. I really don't care about where they go with her or, or what she does from here. <clears throat> but, yeah, that's – I mean, how, how good was Samwise Genji? His name was Bob. I thought he was pretty good. I thought he was a nice addition to the Stranger Things thing. I thought he was a good addition, and what he brought to the table was good. I thought the actors were good, and like Matt said – the way it transitions from you need that i guess that filler season to transition from one to flow through to season three but like duke said i didn't have to watch season two and i agree with him with that but at the same time i wanted to watch it because i felt like i couldn't skip from season one to season three even though i do a lot of skipping on some tv shows but i felt like i like stranger things so much that i i just watched the whole season i mean that's that's one thing good about stranger things trust me but for me, Stranger Things, it to I tolerated it because you know I needed to, I know I needed to see it to transition to season three, and it didn't let me down in that aspect. The way the way it transitioned to season three, it was worth the ride to watch that. And what's crazy is that the season I, I I liked the least had the most episodes. As you guys are talking about season two, as much as I hate it, you're reminding me about things I liked about season two. Uh, Steve's transition from being the complete douchebag to being the lovable protector babysitter. I love that, right? Introduction, introduction to, Matt, to Max and her brother. Bro, Joe hit on something so crucial about season two, Bob. Bob was, in my opinion, talking about 80s underdogs. He was freaking us in the 80s, right? Like there was this chick. He thought she was pretty. He couldn't get her. Years later, shablama, he comes back. He's now dating the girl of his dreams. It's all good. And then, boom, they pull the rug out from under us. And spoiler alert, because this is not spoiler free, ladies and gents. They kill him. What? You love this dude. You were like, oh, my God, this guy's so cool. He's helping them figure out how to find will everything you're thinking like long-term character i love when tv shows and movies do that where they don't telegram they don't say like hey i know this guy's gonna die because everything's happy you think this dude's gonna be around forever you think he's gonna be a central character and then like boom bob was cool and the way that he was an important part of the entire season made his death that more important. And I don't think that's something that a lot of shows get right anymore. Where like, you guys know I'm a huge Walking Dead fan. Uh, I have to find a way to mention Walking Dead in every Nerd World Order broadcast. And I just did it. Bam, the streak is alive. 
a lot of times in Walking Dead, you know who's going to die, right? Because they just keep setting it up. There's like innuendo, stuff like that. When Bob died, that came out of nowhere, which made his death even more important. So thank you for reminding me about that, Joe, because he was a great character. I personally identified with him, and the way that he went out was awesome, but also it had more impact because it was completely out of nowhere. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, think about this. And, and you are, you hit it right there, bro. We weren't popular. We didn't get the hottest chicks in high school, right? And after high school, the dude kept saying over and over, he's like, yo, I can't believe I'm going out with you. Dude, I can relate to that because that's how it was. You were cooler outside of high school than you were in high school. This is be honest. For me, for me, that's how I felt. And to see that, dude, I totally can relate to that. I fell in love with Bob. I was really bummed that he died. You know, those are one of the characters you're like, dude, why'd he have to die? You could think of other characters. They should be dying, right? And, and, and another thing, dude, you could tell one of my favorite characters is Steve. Because think about it. The dude was king of Hawkins, right? And then in the whole episode, dude, now the dude doesn't even know who he is, right? The dude was like, yo, I'm the best. I'm the best of the best of the best. Then towards the end, he don't, he don't even know what he is. He lost his girlfriend, right? To, to a dude he couldn't stand, right? Think about that. I don't think I could be friends with her or the dude. I mean, just think about how much this dude is going through, if you think about it. I mean, for him to make that drastic change, and now he hangs out with the kids, he went from a super jock to a nerd. So for me, like, I like the character development. Like, it's just, like, totally 90 degrees. Like, you, you get they, – they give you – this is how this character is, and you think that's how that character is going to be. In most TV shows, that's how it's going to stay. Then in a snap of a Thanos finger, it goes the opposite direction. You're like, oh, shit, I really love this character. So you go for hate, the character like, damn, I really love this character, and I don't want him to die. I was really bummed about Bob dying. I mean, that that's – dude was dope, dude, Super Bob. You know what I mean? I mean, I was kind of bummed that he died. That is a recap or retrospective of season one and two. But the reason that we're all here today is because season three just dropped. And for me personally, it was the most exciting season. But we got three other nerds who are going to talk about season three on this broadcast today. So I'll throw it over to Joe. Uh, Freshest in your mind. What's your perspective on season three? It was dope. It was hella dope. It is my favorite season. Made me forget about the other two. So for me, it goes three, one, and two, right? Those are my those are my order, chronological order that I like Stranger Things. I loved it. In the beginning, all the kissing, dude, I was like Harper. I was like, yo, you guys need to be separated. I'm like, I cannot stand watching more than one episode of them just kissing the whole time. And I was like, and if this is going to start off like this and keep going like this, I'm really going to hate it. But good thing they didn't do that. I really like the way the season is. Everything was good. Like Matt said, the soundtrack, character development. I mean, everything everything was dope. I I know I can sit here and talk all day of what I like it. I, I, I want to piggyback on what you guys think. Yeah, you, you brought up something that really hit close to home with me, um, Hopper and... <laughs> And L and L and oh man, I, I, I've got daughters, you know, and that stress, you know, <laughs> you know, 
oh man, those kids, I wanted to, I just wanted to choke them. You know, you got, you got this boy coming over, making out with your daughter. And it's like, yeah, that, that's not happening. <laughs> I would have done the same thing. I'm taking them for a ride in the police car. And, oh man, the, the stress on that. Um, Steve, yeah, Steve, he, uh, his, his growth was amazing. You know, in, in season one, he was, he was the D bag, you know, high, typical high school jock D bag. Um, season two, he had a little bit of retribution. Uh, season three, this is where they really explained it, man. You peaked in high school. You know, that that's a common thing. You know, you got everybody who's, you know, top dog in high school. And I was explaining to my daughter the other day. It's like, you know, all these things that you think are so important. Once you get out of high school, you realize how important they're not. Um, you know, he couldn't even get a phone number. He's sitting there working at Scoops Ahoy, you know, shoveling up ice cream for little kids. And, you know, he couldn't even get a phone number. The, the girl there with him, she was awesome. Just making fun of him the whole time. She had a little scorecard. Of all the times he was just a pathetic loser, um, that that was that was one of the things that I loved. It. Um, what else here? Um, and then, and then you know the best thing about this season three is who was the biggest bad in the eighties? You know, throughout all the eighties, the biggest bad of all was the Russians. You know, we had the Cold War going on, man. <laughs> the Russians they were out to get us. You know. Uh, so it's it's awesome that they brought that in, you know, uh, especially with nowadays trying to be so PC about certain things. But you know that's the way it was in the eighties. I mean, there was that that overwhelming nuclear threat, and and the Russians they were everywhere. You know, they they were infiltrating, you know, in our minds. You know, that's what TV and and movies and the news led us to believe is that you know they're they're everywhere. Um, so that was really cool. The underground complex, oh, man, that was so cool. Uh, I love how Dustin called called out uh, Lucas's little sister about being a nerd. You know, she did all that math in her head, and I'm like over here, like, uh, is that that that's well, that's beyond me. And he called her out right there. He's like, "You're a nerd," and she's like, "No, I'm not a nerd." And she, so he brings up the My Little Pony theory, and he explains to her how she's a nerd. And yeah, she was a nerd. And sad to say, I, I knew a lot of that, but that's only because I have daughters. You know, I'm not a brony. I had to watch. I had to watch My Little Pony. It was a signed reading. Hey, can you speak up a little louder, brony? I didn't hear oh. you. <laughs> Twilight Sparkle Forever, man. I don't even is that the purple one? Well, anyway, Billy being uh man, uh possessed basically. That was some scary stuff, dude. Billy was badass, man. He he just I was scared for those kids, you know. They eleven couldn't contain him. Um she did her best and then and then they, they show the touching, you know, what made him be the bully he was, you know. Um I I, I like I said, I took this as a teachable moment. I took my daughter aside. And I said, you see, this is what happens. It's just, it's just a circle of violence. You know, you got the dad beating on him, talking to him the way that he does. And so what does he do? He turns around and he does the exact same thing to other kids. And that's how he grew up. But deep down, he was that little boy on the, on the beach, but just wanted his mom, you know, he just wanted his mom. And, and I can relate with that a lot. Um, you know, kind of the same thing with me. My mom didn't die, but I mean, you know, I, I just wanted my mom all the time. And, <laughs> but you know, I, I kind of took the opposite approach. You know, I didn't I didn't turn around and do what was done to me. I I kind of um, you know I, I took it as like you know that's what you shouldn't do. I learned my lessons from others, so um, I didn't become that bully that I probably could have been easily. Was just you know a different thought process. I'm just gonna say one thing: you didn't see the body, and make sure you watch after the credits. That's all I gotta say about Hopper. Um, <laughs> Dustin, uh, Dustin was. Yeah, Dustin. Dustin's great, man. He he actually it was weird because he came, became like an outsider to the outsiders. You know, he was kind of off doing his own thing for a bit. He was getting left behind. He was like, but you know, guys, and 
and they were gone, but and they had all just like season two and season one. You have everybody split up. They're doing their own thing. Next thing you know, they're all getting together to combat the big evil. So, I'm gonna start out on a negative. It's really the only negative I could think of throughout the show. So I think I want to say it was the very last episode. It might have been the second to the last, if, if my memory is correct. There was this whole sequence of events happening where Dustin and his girlfriend are singing the never-ending story. That went on way too long. For the love of God, it could have been like five seconds, and they could have cut it and did something else. That was like they did like the full song. It was ridiculous. That was the only problem I had with it because it was right in the middle of like some like you know heavy action action sequences, a whole bunch of stuffs going on, and they cut to the song right in the middle of it. I know it was kind of for humor, but I stopped laughing five seconds into it, and that's where they should have stopped it at. That's all I'll say about that. The rest of the season to me was a payoff season. This was the payoff for season. Um, for all the character and relationship building in season two, everything started to pay off right from the get-go. Like Joe mentioned, you know, they're making out in the room. You know, the, the kids are all starting to grow up. Um, their relationships are building uh, bet between each other. Um, new relationships are building. Specifically, um, one that we haven't talked about yet was Murray and his new friend Alexi, who was uh, uh, the Russian uh, scientist. I don't remember his exact title, um, but they had a lot of really good humorous parts with with Murray and Alexi in the scene, uh, like when he's he's trying to force them to go get a uh, a cherry Slurpee and he only wanted a cherry Slurpee, so stuff like that made me laugh hard. Uh, I thought there was more humor in the season, which I enjoyed quite a bit. But I think that also goes back to the character development, you know, because you're starting to understand, you know, these relationships and these people more. There's three main characters in each season that you wouldn't naturally consider a character, but they're crucial to each one. Season one, it was the city of Hawkins and the lab. Season two was the arcade. Season three is the mall. The mall is the, the focal point of the entire season. They spend more time there than anything else. And the, from the very first scene of that mall, it hit me super nostalgically. Like, I was telling my wife, I was like, this is like the mall that I grew up in. Like, they, they had like Sam Goody. They had like, even the way like the planners and the benches were set up, like, it just looked like a mall I'd been to before. And I think that could be said about most people. So their settings are, you know, second to none it's amazing what they do with their settings and how they build seasons around those settings that being said you know i'm obviously i'm praising the season a lot i don't know what they're going to do with season four i don't know how they're going to overcome how good and how strong season three was they're going to have a real tough time in my opinion to these guys credits they've been doing it right so far so i'm going to keep seeing what they have to offer and then the last thing i want to say is i'm sure other people are going to talk about it shortly the speech uh, that hopper leaves l was so powerful and it was one of the best ways they could have ended the show. I would have been okay with them leaving it there, but I see I know why they had to, you know, show L leaving, which is fine. But like that was the most powerful moment of any season that they had. And it was only because they built up those characters so much. Matt and Alfonso's retrospective of the show of season three just reminded me of how much some of these scenes hit me in the freaking feels, dude. Hopper's letter? Bro, I was holding back tears, dude. What this letter says are the things that you kind of wish you had heard when you were 12, when you were 18, when you were 20. Realistically, I needed to hear at that moment in time. It was just some really powerful introspective stuff. The Hopper speech was just amazing. And then... One of the things that I always look at is everyone has struggles. And so to show why Billy became the way that he was, 
to show who he is as a person. You never know a person's backstory. Even though we have this science fiction going on, this 80s nostalgia, it doesn't feel like it's out of place when they drop in these moments that really make you stop and feel like this is a human show. Clearly, in case you gentlemen and Knights of the Nerd World Order haven't noticed, I loved season three. And these are the reasons why, because it made me feel so much while keeping me engaged from a story, from a science fiction, from a fantasy, from an action perspective, from a nostalgia perspective, so much. Matt, that mall, bro, I saw Sam Goody. I could have paused the show and talked about Sam Goody for five minutes, bro. We all remember Sam Goody. Remember when Sam Goody closed, you were like, they're closing Sam Goody. All those stores, the fact that the logos of the stores look correct, that the layout of the mall look correct, this season was just off the hook and nostalgia. I related to Hopper uh, being the sort of, you know, the, the guy who always wants things a certain way and, you know, has difficulty transitioning and changing and stuff like that and being faced with huge changes. Dude, when I saw those kids kissing, I was like, throw down the remote like this is done. I ain't watching this garbage and watching this, but I stuck in there and it was <laughs> sure. worth it because it was an amazing season, dude. Steve's arc was just amazing because... Like you guys talked about, a uh, cool guy, not knowing himself, didn't go straight to college. Now he's trying to figure out who he is. It's one of those things where you want to see when we talk about season four, and we'll get in, into that a little bit. That's one of the things I look forward to is what's going to happen in season four. I want to see more of what's going on with Steve because, in my opinion, Steve has actually been the most interesting character because he has the best storyline. Um, now, Billy as the villain, dude, Billy was just a freaking badass villain, dude. Like, the way that he became the villain, everything about it, just the way that he, like, when he was at the girl's house and she was with, and he was with their parents. He had this sinister feel about him. He was first-class villain. Just not like TV show villain, but like big-screen cinema villain. That's how he felt. I wasn't sure if Dustin really had a girlfriend, but I didn't think they'd make my man a liar. However, <laughs> we all remember we had that one dude yep. who came back from camp and claimed he gave him a hot girl, right? So yeah, we were all like, sure. but we never saw that girl. So... Yeah. I was glad to see Dustin had a payoff there. The relationship with the with L and Max was really cool. Obviously, I don't know if that's how it really went, ladies, but I would think it does where the ladies sort of developed a friendship and a bond and went off and talked about how stupid the guys are. I think that's how it really is in life. Probably. I think they still do that. I think yeah. they still do that, bro. I think you're right. It never stops. The Russian Cold War was so freaking amazing because but the russians much like a cold war were sort of underneath the surface doing things and they were really there so it was like all the bs that we heard from the government talking about the russians were this secret threat and they were doing things behind the scene that's what was really happening this in in this season and i really love that because it took the one big bad that we always had and it made it feel more real and plausible 
you know, because the Russians never came at us with like, you know, they they never in a red dawn since invaded the United States or something like that. But it made you think like, hey, what if they really were underground in a city around the corner from us? What if they were underground in Oceanside or underground in Hemet, you know, or hanging out in Jersey? And like, we never knew it. That was something that was really cool because it made you go, hmm. So I definitely love that. I agree with you, Alan. Uh, Steve is one of my favorite characters. I love that. Another thing I want to mention is, uh, I don't know if you remember in season one, it's kind of stuck in my head, but season one, Murray mentions the Russians, right? And the Russians don't come around until season three. So I thought that was pretty cool. So he had two little theories, right? He thought L was a Russian, which he wasn't. But he also mentioned that Russians are gonna are planning something. So he's right in that aspect. When Will supposedly died in season one, do you guys remember the the song that was playing in the background? No, I was just really happy that he had died. What was the song? <laughs> it was uh, a song by Peter Gabriel called Heroes, right? That was a song that was playing when everybody thought he was dead, right? Flash forward to season three, when Harper was dead and she was reading a letter, what was the song was playing? Heroes by David Bowie. Exactly. can read it like, two ways maybe like it just happens to play that song or they're actually hinting that he is not dead two different ways you can take that right Ooh, that's pretty sweet i like he's 100 percent not dead yeah exactly but i'm just saying though i mean they give you if you notice they give you clues on a lot of stuff so i just thought that was pretty cool hopper and 11's development it's it's just, it's a good arc for him because he lost his daughter right he lost his daughter he left his wife left the city came out to hawkins just thinking about himself because he just doesn't care. He's not emotionally involved with anybody. And then you see him getting emotionally involved with Will's mom, right? And then the whole thing with L at the end, he writes this beautiful letter to his daughter. I thought that was cool because just like text messages nowadays, you text, you can, you can be more confident in texting people how you feel than actually sitting in front of someone and telling them how you feel. Unfortunately, that's the way social media works. You're, you're right, Matt, that never ending story I'm sorry, I laughed the whole way through. I guess because I loved the movie as a kid. I didn't like the second one, but the first one, dude, it hit me, dude, because I remember watching that as a kid, and I was like, oh, trail, like, oh, everything just hit, and it was dope. But by the end of it, I'm just thinking like this. If she doesn't make him sing that song, Billy and Hopper doesn't die, right? But you kind of have to have that in there, otherwise they're not, or otherwise they're going to be alive, right? And so... Well, Hopper's still alive, but you had you had to do that transition just just to do that. And another thing I want to do, last but not least, remember Harper always selling his daughter three inches, keep the door three inches open, right? If you look at the upside down when it was closed, different ways I'm thinking is like one, he could have jumped into into the thing before it closed three inches. Second, his body wasn't there. So if you look at it the first time, his body's there, and the second one, he's not there. They don't show it explode, right? That's one. That's Everybody knows that, right? Just show the other three blow, uh, exploding. But you have to think, like, you would like to think that at the end, when the Russian says, not the American, it has to be Hopper. Who else would it be, right? How does it get to that point? Does the Russians, even though they came to America to, to go underground or upside down, how do you know that they don't have another interest where they're at? You have that time. He's up on a... He's on a freaking grating. How does he jump down in time and the Russians that were underneath it die? So the only thing I can think of is he has to go through there. And it looks like he could have went in there before it closed. How dope was Lucas' sister? At first, like, she's like, shut up, nerd. 
shut up nerd i don't need to hear this i'm thinking oh my god she's an annoying little sister right because i had one of those sorry during when you were small and this again you know and then when they start getting accustomed to how you are she becomes a nerd like alfonso said that that was every character in stranger things that you tend to be annoyed with by the end of it you're like dude i love this character and that that's what i love about it they take the people you can't stand and they turn into somebody you love and Murray's one of my favorites. I, I I love that. I love Murray, dude. He's just he's hilarious, dude. Yeah, going off the the Hopper thing, going back through the door. I totally think that's what's ha- happened too. It had to happen because in season when season four rolls around, right? There's no threat unless the the hole gets reopened again or they create some new threat. But we've gone through three se- three seasons where there's been no threat except for the Mind Frayer. So that means the door has to get reopened again, in my opinion which means why would they reopen the door after all this havoc? They needed some reason to reopen this door, and the reason is Hopper. Because it, this will probably be the first time that the kids go and they you know, they attempt to open the door themselves with L. There's, you know, they've already had the government in you know the past two or three seasons opening the door, so now it has to be somebody new. That way it's not the same thing every single season. What do you hope are some of the things that you get out of season four? David Harbour, I don't know if you notice, uh, you know, he has an Instagram, right? And when season three came out, he was dropping a bunch of numbers. So, like, he would drop, like, six, one, eight, six, over and over again. Uh, People did a lot of talk about it, and basically that's Murray's phone number. So everyone's talking, could that be a way for Hopper to try to communicate to Murray, saying he's alive and where they at? Kind of like how Will did with the phone earlier and with the lights. That's one thing I think they can go at in, you know, season four. I'm looking forward to see where if Harper is alive. I know he is alive, but how are they going to put that together, right? Like, how is he going to come back? Where did L go, right? Where did L and Will? Where did they move to? And did they move far? That's a, that's another question, right? Steve's uh, relationship with uh, Robin, who I found out for Matt is Ethan Hawks and Uma Thurman. Uma Thurman told her. That shows you how much I care about her. But she was dope and Kill Bill. But she was very good, right? And I thought the development between them two, the chemistry, the one thing Stranger Things does is they develop the chemistry. So they left, they left you off with like, they're going to work at a video store. How dope is that? Because Alan Dukes and myself have worked in a video store, right? So that's nostalgia for us, right? Because we both worked at Don's Video and Oceanside. Shout out to that store. Probably isn't there anymore. But we worked at a video store. So I, I'm going to gravitate to that because, you know, like that's one of my memories. But how is that going to work there, right? They're, 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 you kind of want them to get together, and then you, they drop the bomb on you and said, hey, I like women. And so like you're like, damn, you can't catch a break, bro. He just keeps losing. But he does make a lot of good friends out of everything. So I, I am kind of curious to see where that relationship goes as well. I mean, at the end, you had Will and his family moving away. How are they going to bring that back in? That, that's going to be interesting because, you know, he's going to have to come back either for a visitation, you know, um, or they're going to move back or somehow they're going to meet up with, with Will somewhere else. Um Next season, I mean, what are they? This season, I think they were starting high school. So I'm thinking next season is going to be, you know, seniors in high school. You know, they're, they're going to be, you know, the top dogs and, uh, well, maybe still not the cool kids, but they're going to be the top dogs in school. Um, it, it's going to have to be finding a way to, you know, rescue Hopper. Um, yeah, I, I believe the same thing. I, I believe that the Russians were using the, the upside down as a way to, you know, get from Russia to America. You know, it's probably not very far in there, you know, in the upside down, you know, you just open up a hole. It's kind of like a nightcrawler, you know, teleporting from one place to another. Uh, you open up a hole, you go 
through there, come out another hole, and it's you know really far away. I can see, you know, that's probably what they were doing to try to set up some kind of invasion. You know, like, oh, we're going to invade America. You know, we can't do a Red Dawn style where everybody parachutes in. You know, they have, you know, surface air missiles. We're going to come from underneath and we're going to come through through the <laughs> through the malls because they were everywhere in the 80s. And they're, we're just going to attack and, you know, the Americans are going to be held by surprise. So, um, yeah, that Hopper's definitely not dead. <laughs> um so yeah, boys in high school. I'm sorry, not the boys, but the kids in high school. Um, rescuing Hopper. Uh, what else can they do with it? You know, I can't really see Billy coming back. But man, that'd be nice somehow. Dude, that's dope that you said the Russian attack, dude. Because you remember, like Alan said, he caught the Red Dawn reference in the '80s, dude. That was the that was the thing, dude. They had they were like a huge threat. I remember that in junior high, and it just. Dude, Alfonso, that's freaking dope, dude. That's their way of coming through. That's probably why they're using it. But I don't think they understand the ramifications of what's inside there. And I think they just cut across fast, like you said. Dude, awesome point, dude. I didn't think about it that way. They were doing a scene where, like, you remember how Will has all those arts up on the wall? If you if you look at it very closely and you fix it, there's a picture that looks like Harper in a jail outfit changed up to the wall. So the American is in a jail in Russia. So, you know, like, I think they do little hints like that. So I don't know. That's just a thought to ponder on. What do you guys think about them taking it and exploring more of inside what's in Upside Down? Because like you said, like, the only the only thing you've seen is the mind fly, flares and then the Demogorgons. But who is actually the leader? And why do they do what they do? And why does it look like that? I mean, that's things that they could explore as well if they've got nowhere else to go with the series because, like, like we've all touched on, like, how many times can they blow it up? How about go inside and explore what it really is? What if it's just some Russian experiment? That would be sick. Yeah, I mean, like, that's a different take on it, right? Yeah, like, we all think it's, like, some separate dimension or something, but what if it's just something the Russians created and all these demigorgons and darts and uh, mind flares are all just Russian experiments gone wrong? I definitely like that angle. I, I'm sure, like, at some point, like, the humans will have something to do with it, some major corporation or something. That just makes perfect sense. Now, let's talk about nostalgia. I'll say I saw Terminator reference i -hmm. saw aliens reference clearly red dawn there were so many what other nostalgic moments did you guys see in the show where you were like oh yeah i remember that or oh i see what they're doing that relates to this uh were there any i missed any nostalgic things call outs, shout outs that i missed that really stood out to you guys that movie theater in the mall i mean that was my first you know walk-in movie theater and and it just like that one hit me good um, of course, Sam Goody, like you said, that Sam Goody was great. There was no KB Toy Store. That was that really bummed me out. One more nostalgia fact: Hopper was dressed as Magnum PI through a lot of the yes. shows. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> um, what was uh, dope was in that that girl when she was doing that little I don't know what it's called. She's like kick back Magnum. I thought that was dope. <laughs> as far as nostalgia goes, when they brought out like the. Uh, I guess like the energy that they were using to uh, to create that portal to create the uh, the hole into the upside down, that was modern day shot for shot of the ooze from Ninja Turtles too. If you guys remember the canisters of the ooze, yes. <laughs> 
Dude, that's dope, man. You know, the whole time I was looking, I was like, why does that freaking look familiar? Like, I should remember that or something. But yeah, dude, totally Ninja Turtles. That's a good call. Damn, you and Fonzo coming in with the right, left, right, left, <laughs> your toothless kind of stuff. Wait, they they left it kind of subtle, but they gave you like a close up of it. So it like it caught my eyes. Like I was like turtles, like that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Just like an an overarching thing. If these weren't kids, if they made this show around adults, this show would not be nearly as powerful. It would not be nearly the same, and I, nobody would probably care about it. So it had to be around the kids. That that really like for me, that does something with horror movies. Like it when they're kids is way better than it when they're adults. Like, sure. you know, Pennywise chasing kids is way more terrifying than chasing adults around it. I, I don't quite know why it is. Maybe it's because they're, you know, more vulnerable. But that was definitely a smart move. And then the one thing we missed about all of us being nerds is Mike could not tell Elle that he loved her the entire time. But he said it when, he, when she thought she couldn't hear him. So then at the end of the season, Elle tells him that she loves him because he couldn't say it to her. So... I'm sure some people have been there before, maybe myself included. I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where they're going, and I think that's more exciting than anything else. Like, there's there's not a lot of buildup. I, I think they're gonna have a tough time beating season three because there was so much buildup. There's so much relationship building, and season four is left wide open, which is kind of exciting because I don't know. I don't know what the hell they're gonna do. That could be a great thing, or it could be you know not as powerful. But now that we already know these characters more, we already have, you know, we know who we like, we know who we don't like, we know who we care about, we know who we want to see die, Alan. <laughs> we know who we don't want to see die. I think they can use that to their advantage to make another great season, but I still think it's going to be a more difficult challenge than they had with season three. As I told you guys, uh, I don't like, I thought Will was boring, but I related to him most in season three and so I'm kind of looking to see where he goes in season four. Because when I was Will's age, I was that dude who was still into his action figures. I was that dude who was still into, like, uh, playing D&D. But all the homies were like, there's something called girls, son. And that's where <laughs> your attention needs to be. And I was like, but, but we got G.I. Joes. I was like, Will, I had that trouble making the transition. I related to him and I saw, you know, his struggle in making that transition into a teenager mindset. And I'm curious to see what he and his personality is going to look like in season four, because he's going to be, I think he's going to make the biggest jump as far as being more mature. Uh, and that's what I'm looking forward to. And as far as Will, dude, I can understand why you hate him, but you got to think about it, dude. First season, dude, I was dead. Second season, Dude got possessed. So while everyone's chasing tail, this dude's got a tail inside his body. So, I mean, that's how you got to think about it. Like, he hasn't had a chance to be likable. You just, he's that kid that you feel sorry for, right? Everybody's moved on. Like you said, the, the fourth season when it comes out, this dude has to come out as a boss, right? He's just going to come out and be like, I'm not scared anymore. This is how it's going to be. I hope that's where they go with him. I think that Will probably did develop additional powers while he was in the upside down that maybe he hasn't explored. And it's interesting. I can't remember who was talking about that. Maybe it was chance, the villain that they thought season two was going to be will and L both had powers and they were kind of working together to help out. Yeah. So maybe something that's going to develop because I mean, you know, Elle's one person. She could only do so much. I mean, she's powerful as hell, but there's only so much she can do being one person. You know, you you, you take out her Achilles heel and, you know, you guys are, I mean, the guys are basically out of power. 
of course, we all want to see what happens with Steve because Steve has been the most interesting character. But at this point, I don't know where else they can go with Steve and the video store. Now he's got himself a sidekick. To talk about that Steve transition, if you think about it, he was King of Hawkins, right? Then he got his ass kicked twice, right? And then the third time he finally won, right? And Dustin's yes. like, dude, you finally won a fight. Yes. So let's just think, what if the transitions for him is to get back up to the King of Hawkins, right? But still be a nerd. He's King of Hawkins, but he's not the same. So you can cheer for a guy like that because you want him to get better. Now that they beat him up so badly, I mean, the dude gets beat up like <laughs> every season, dude. You got like, you know, like he's a boxer or something like that, right? You know, you're cheering for the guy. They they make it to where you want this guy to win so bad now because they put him down to the bottom that I think that's where they're going to go with him. Speaking of Steve, there's an opening on the Hawkins Sheriff Department. Long shot. Freaking deputy sheriff, dude. That would be so perfect. Uh, <laughs> that would be dope, dude. That would be so dope, dude. You know, because he's starting to become a badass. I could definitely see... Steve, I mean, like you said, as a sheriff that, or, you know, deputy sheriff, that, that works great. But one thing that I see is, you know, the time frame difference, he's probably going to have a kid. You know what I mean? Little somebody he has to worry about, like, I got to get home. I got a kid. That'd be a good aspect to, you know, throw in there. To Matt's point, I think maybe there's a good five season, season five and season six. I don't think they can go more than that because I think once they explore that upside down and they get in there, I mean, once you destroy that for the hundredth time, where are you going to go from there? You know what I mean? That, but the kids are growing up rapidly. Like, right. once these kids are adults, it's not going to be the same show anymore, I'm telling you. No, it's not. And that, that's where it gets all its excitement from his little kids, dude. Because you remember little kids going on quests. Where, the, where do they go from there? I think it's a good maybe season five, season six. They can squeeze it out of it. Unless they go 90 degrees and change the format and do something totally different. But I, I think... What they have right now is working, but I don't see it going on more than maybe five or six. Ladies, gentlemen, and knights of the Nerd World Order, this concludes this episode of the Nerd World Order broadcast. If you guys want to follow me, I'm uh, at from NJ to CA, and the two is the number two on Twitter. You can follow me on Facebook. It's Matthew Morozzi on Facebook, M-A-R-O-Z-Z-I, and... Matt Morosi on YouTube. I only have two videos, but there'll be more stuff up there soon. You guys can see me in the Facebook group, too, and at NWO as well. Alf, you are the X-Man. We could not have done this justice, bro, so thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much, you guys. That was a pleasure. And if you love the Nerd World Order, you'd like to represent, all you have to do is type hashtag IMNWO into social medias. Uh, we would love your support by giving us five stars on iTunes, five stars on Stitcher, five stars on Podbean. Subscribe and listen, and thank you for supporting the Nerd World Order. Until next time, IMNWO. We are NWO. And let your nerd, nerd flags, flags fly. fly. Booyah.